From the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios high atop two Turtle Creek Tower, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings everyone, Ryan Trimble here again back in the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios, joined today by the road warrior himself, Sean Williams. Sean. What's up Ryan, man? It is good to be back in town after moving around a little bit for the job. Uh, that's right. You have been, uh, you left the friendly confines of our great city and you have been traveling a little bit. Yeah, as you know, Texas A&M University is one of our clients. We have been working on their guest room donation program at the new Texas A&M Hotel and Conference Center that will be opening on August 29th. And so we um, went down and worked the coaches nights. And so all of the A&M clubs or definitely the big A&M clubs around the state We'll have a coach's night where the head football coach will come in and talk shop a little bit. Also, <laughs> it's a big fundraiser as well uh, for scholarships. So uh, I went down last Sunday for the Monday night coach's night in Houston, came back for the Tuesday night coach's night in Fort Worth and capped it off at Gillies for the coach's night here in Dallas. I love that. Oh, save the best for last, right? Right here in Dallas. It, it was the best for sure of the three that I went to. And obviously I'm biased, but um, Houston was cool. Um, the Houston A&M Club does a great job. Their event is at NRG Stadium, but it's like the convention facility that's yeah. right next to the stadium. So that's sure. cool. It's a little bit more formal. They have a plate of dinner there. And then in Fort Worth, we were at Billy Bob's, which was fun. Always fun. And then we were in Dallas. Four, all three, the energy was a little bit better because I think people are more excited about Coach Fisher. They went from about 600. These numbers are kind of hearsay. <laughs> they went from about 300, 600 in Houston last year to about 900 from what I heard. They doubled the number of folks in Fort Worth. I mean, it was a line wrapped around the whole building pretty much to get in. And then the last I heard, they were close to 1,800 in Dallas. And then Jennifer... Uh, one of our owners was in San Antonio last night for Coach's Night there. Aaron, our colleague Aaron Ragsdale, and I were sitting having our barbecue in an auxiliary room. <laughs> and in walks on Thursday in Gillies, right past us was Coach Fisher. And he was going up to speak. And I said, Did he sit down and have a brisket sandwich with you, He was Sean? in a hurry. He was in a hurry. I offered, but yeah. he didn't have time for that. And I just said, hey, good luck, coach. And I mean, like, since right. you guys had just shared a plate of dinner, you know, in Houston, it was, yeah. Uh, might as well, right? But, yeah, so, I mean, Coach Fisher, <laughs> Coach Fisher talks fast. So, <laughs> so you have to he really does. be listening while he's giving his speech, his ball speech. But mm -hmm. I think there are some excited Aggies right now. Well, Sean, that's really exciting. And uh, in other sports news, we get another year of the great Dirk Nowitzki. 21 years with 21. one team, with our Dallas Mavericks, Dirk Nowitzki. That is an amazing accomplishment, and I think I'm down. I think he averaged 12.5 points last year. Whatever. It's all good. Yeah, I don't care. I'm As I've said before, put the statue up. Just go ahead and start laying the foundation for that thing, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, Dirk still has game. I am interested to see whether or not he will start. This year, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you look at how it is kind of laying out with Luka Doncic and Dennis Smith Jr., Harrison Barnes. I mean, where does Dirk fit in with Wesley Matthews Jr.? Be I think it's between those two, whether or not Wesley Matthews Matthews Jr. or Dirk is actually the starter, or the other one is pushing for six man of the year. Well, Sean, one of uh, your friends will not be back 
on the Mavs roster this year. Yeah, I hate to see Yogi Ferrell leaving. Uh, I actually got to meet his dad through our work with Dallas County Promise. And so they were, I know, at one point really looking to uh, become part of the community. Looks like from reports that there was a deal that was signed uh, between the Mavericks and Yogi. And Yogi took a little time and thought he'd take his talents to Sacramento. (laughs) Well, hey, you know, it is the league and uh, he's got to do what's in his best interest, I guess. So if it's if it's the Sad Sack Kings, then best of luck to you, man. Well, Yogi, we, we barely knew you, but you were fun <laughs> here in Dallas. It was a really cool story when he came yeah. uh, off a 10-day contract and, and signed a, a two-year deal. So, um, you know, to his dad, Kevin, and to Yogi, congratulations and definitely try to catch you guys coming through Dallas. But today we are talking to Bob LaPrell, the president and CEO of the Museum of the American Railroad. And it is a really fun conversation. This guy loves trains, Sean. Let's start there. This He knows more about trains than anybody I've ever seen. It's exciting. You can tell his passion right from the moment, uh, you know, we get into the interview here. And it, it's really exciting. And I think, we'll, you know, we get into this a little bit more uh, later in the interview. But one of the reasons Dallas is where Dallas is and why Dallas is here and why it's the, you know, the, the hub or, or uh, ground zero for North Central Texas is because of trains, Sean. Yeah. And he's, you know, Bob's a historian of transportation. He's a historian of Dallas history. And that story that, that you allude to that we'll hear more about later is really fascinating to think that, you know, the railroads and the railway is, is why we're here and not, you know, 30 miles north or 30 miles south because <laughs> right. it could be. That's right. And and don't think that I'd never slip that into any talking points ever during, uh, you know, in, in any branch talking points. I'm the sure. I'm sure you have. Of reading the bills. <laughs> I'm sure you have. And and the importance of transportation. I mean, right. uh, you know, I think a lot of us who have been here, which I've been here now 20 a little bit more than 20 years. You know, you think about the impact that Dallas-Fort Worth Airport has made. You can think about that. You can see that on our region. But based on what we talk about with with Bob, that impact goes all the way back to the railroad. So it's it's really exciting. And I'm excited for our listeners to get to hear about this. Yeah, well, let's dive right in. We'll take a quick break. Thanks for tuning in. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. See you right after this short break. Texas A&M is just weeks away from opening the new on-campus, full-service, world-class Doug Pitcock 49 Texas A&M Hotel and Conference Center. Your tax-deductible donation to the hotel comes with a guest room option that gives donors exclusive reduced room rates for all home football game weekends, a dedicated concierge to help with reservations and trip planning, and access to valet parking. Lock in your donation and room today by calling 979-429-2153. That's 979-429-2153. Or go to tamuhcc.com. Welcome back. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We are very, very honored today to have as a guest on our show, on our podcast, Bob LaPrell. He is the president and CEO of the Museum of the American Railroad, which is located in Frisco, Texas. Bob. Thanks for joining us. How you doing? Doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I wanted to jump in with you because um, not only do you have a great knowledge of 
railroad history, transportation history, have a really good knowledge of Dallas history. I know um, many of our listeners will probably know that the museum was in Fair Park for a long time, but can you talk about just your overall, which I read about you, your fascination with transportation, transportation history? Well, I've always been amazed with moving people and goods and the type of objects that we've created to do that. And, uh, that ranges from certainly railways, um, and it, it also extends into steamships and aircraft and everything else. I'm fascinated with the technology behind it, the changing technology, and what it has, you know, the change in our society and how it's changed our culture. So you talk about the technology, and I've also read that you talked about how it's relevant today. Rail transportation specifically is relevant today. And, you know, I see trains. Uh, I live in Oak Cliff, so kind of coming through commerce, that corridor pretty often. But at the same time, not like it was when I was a kid. And you have to stop every 10 minutes, it seemed like, at a railroad crossing. So what? how has, tra- how has rail transportation changed uh, for t- the way it is today? Well, the railroad industry has really evolved with commerce and in, in, in the you know, politics of, of this country, it built the nation, particularly west of the Mississippi. The railroads are inseparable from the history of the United States. I mean, they really caused this country to expand and flourish. And a lot of people think that that's all part of the history books now and that railroads are not relevant anymore, but they really are. I mean, they're moving more materials now than ever in their history, maybe with the exception of World War II. And they're moving a lot of bulk commodities now, you know, aggregates and coal and large materials, as well as sensitive items. What's really interesting today, besides just the strong health of freight railroads is the resurgence in passenger rail, inner city rail like Amtrak and mm-hmm. commuter lines like the TRA between Dallas mm-hmm. and Fort Worth, as well as, you know, light rail systems in urban areas like DART. You know, Fort Worth is expanding their passenger rail system. We're actually coming back to that as an efficient mode to move people. And, you know, it's it's the cleanest, safest, most efficient way to get people around. Bob, one of my favorite stories that it, from my time, you know, working in and around the legislature was the story of how Dallas became Dallas, and it is all thanks in in part to one representative, John Lane, and his, what do I call it? Do I call it a ruse, perhaps, or do we call it just smart legislating? But tell us a little bit, expand upon your, your earlier comments about Browder Springs and John Lane's legislation. Well, when the Houston and Texas Central Line built through Dallas in 1872, that was enough to really cause the city to flourish. But what really put us on the glide path to economic prosperity was when the a year later, the Texas and Pacific Line crossed from east to west. And uh, yes, that was because of some very skillful political maneuvering down in Austin that the two rail lines, the, t- the junction of two major rail lines, the first ones would be uh, at Browder Springs. Well, nobody knew where Browder Springs was, so he kind of took all the politics out of it, you know, and they didn't care or they didn't know. So all of a sudden, they find out that the Browder Springs is less than a mile from the central business district of Dallas. Right. So... Th- I mean, it it was. It was absolutely brilliant. The line built through here. It got on the other side of the Trinity and then ran out of money because of an economic depression at that time. So to get it to Fort Worth, they were literally helping to build the line to Fort Worth and get it on the rest of the way. But it got to Dallas and that that really put us on the map. I've also wondered kind of what what did Union Station mean in the history of the rail? Because, you know, I go there and it's such a grand building and even still today, it's a relevant transportation hub. But historically, what has that meant for us? Well, Union Station was a real turning point, not only in in the history of railroads in Dallas, but the history of Dallas in general. That 
facility was created out of necessity. By the turn of the century, we had seven or eight different rail lines coming in, going from this city. We had six train stations, six passenger stations, and the very source of our prosperity was beginning to choke the city. So as part of the Kessler plan for Dallas, which was a master Mm -hmm. plan about 1913, they recommended that they consolidate all these rail lines, consolidate the stations, and build a union station where everybody moved into one building. And as part of that, they built one rail line around the city and got all the lines out of the central business district. And co- you know, they were stopping up streets and everything else. So Union Station was really an answer to a growing, bustling city to address the rail problem and continue growth. Again, this is Sean Williams, Ryan Tremble. We are with Bob LaPrell, president and CEO of the Museum of the American Railroad. Moving forward, we are all looking. I know I can personally say that I am looking forward to high speed rail and, you know, being a, a place that we can use. I, I love to be able to get up, go to work, get on the high speed rail to Houston, watch a Mavericks and Houston Rockets game and come back the same night. I mean, that's like my vision. But what do you see as the future as it relates to high speed rail, you know, not only in Texas, but across the, the United States? Well, I think high speed rail has a bright future in this country in general. But in Texas, I think you really will see that line constructed and going to service. This is a perfect market to introduce that form of transportation here in the States. You're talking about going between two major city pairs. There's a lot of congestion on the highways. There's congestion in the air. And I think there's room for that as an alternative mode of transportation. And what a great thing it would be to go from city center to city center in such a short period of time and not have to deal with traffic to the airports and security and everything else. I also saw that, you know, one of the things that got you into rail, into you know, rail and railroads and trains is an early experience that you had on a train. Could you talk a little bit about that, too, as far as your memories of of your early train riding? Sure. Well, one of the things that my my parents indulged me in was riding passenger trains in the late 1960s. And when my older brother and sister got too old to take the big family vacations and I was the youngest, they indulged me and we they took me on a trip on the Santa Fe Railway's Texas Chief between Fort Worth and Chicago. This was in 1969. We went first class. We went in the sleeping cars. We ate in the dining car. And we went into the great Dearborn Station in Chicago, right there on the edge of Lake Michigan. And that just had a lasting impression on me. And that type of travel, the romance and the the grandeur of traveling like that just stuck with me. So who would have ever thought that all these years later, I would be running a museum and be able to share that with other people, which is a truly, a, it's a gift. I love going to work every day. It has its moments because we're a nonprofit, but it has been a a great experience. And, you know, for someone like me, I also imagine myself taking the train to this city or that city I never had from a passenger standpoint. How hard is it to, you know, from our market here to kind of plan out a little getaway where you can hop on a train and take a few days? Like, what does that take today? Actually, it's quite easy. Uh, Amtrak serves Dallas Union Station. Uh, They have a train called the Texas Eagle that runs between Los Angeles, San Diego, Dallas, and Chicago. Um, You can go to Texarkana. You can go to Little Rock, St. Louis on the same train. It stops at the intermediate routes. And I suggest that everyone take a cross-country train trip sometime in their lives. Save up your money. Go first class. Eat in the dining car. It is a great way to see the nation. It's almost like a rolling national park. And my suggestion is you take the train from Dallas to Austin, which is a day trip. Spend some time down there. Come back. If you like that, do the overnight trip north to Chicago and go up there and see all the museums and make a vacation out of it. How long is that Dallas to Austin? Like, you leaving the 
morning, come back in the evening. I can go check out the Capitol. You can, uh, you, the trip to Austin, it goes by way of Fort Worth. It's okay. a little circuitous because it goes down through some of the hill country oh, on cool. the way to Austin, which is real pretty. Like that'd be nice. It's a beautiful trip. Can't remember, it takes about, I think, about six hours, okay. which is longer than, you know, you would drive it. But remember, you're just, you're eating in the dining right. car, you're right. relaxing in the lounge, and you get there rested. Cool. All right. So this is Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble, Deconstructing Dallas. When we get back from this next break, I want to talk a little bit more about the museum, their move from Fair Park to Frisco, what their plans are, and even some of the interesting train sets that they have. So hang with us. We'll be right back. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Remember when we wowed you with the code WOWFRESH and saved you $10 on your Walmart online grocery pickup order? Well, get ready to be blown away three times over. Hey friends, it's your old pal RT here. And Walmart has given us a new code that will save you 10% off two-day shipping items. Not once, not twice, but three times. That's right, with the code TRIPLE10. You can save 10% off any order of $35 or more made through the Walmart app, or walmart.com. And guess what? You can use code TRIPLE10 on up to three orders, three times the savings. Here's how it works. Place an order of $35 or more with your Walmart app or on walmart.com. Make sure your order includes at least one two-day shipping item. Use promo code TRIPLE10 when you check out, and boom, 10% off your order, three times in a row. It's a triple play with Walmart, so use code TRIPLE10, that's T-R-I-P-L-E-1-0, today on the Walmart app or walmart.com. Welcome back, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble, Deconstructing Dallas. I am with Bob LaPrell, President and CEO of the Museum of the American Railroad. So we talked, again, you were at Fair Park for a long time, but you all moved to Frisco recently. Can you talk a little bit about that move specifically? Uh, and Because and, I know it was not, as I read you say, not always the best of circumstances, but you got through it and you've, you've really created a beautiful facility now. So can you talk about that move to, to Frisco? Sure. Well, we had a good run in Fair Park in Dallas, and I was there 25 of those years. And it is a marvelous facility. You know, we had mixed feelings about moving, but really to pursue our goals and our mission, we needed more space. That was really the, the, the bottom line. We were able to move from 1.8 acres to almost 15 acres in Frisco and kind of take the reins off this museum and be able to realize the type of things that we had envisioned for it in the future. Uh, it was a good move. We're expanding our programming and our, our breadth in, in uh, North Texas as well as the size of the collection. It was a Herculean task. When we finally agreed on moving to Frisco, we looked around that museum at Fair Park and we had 42 cars and locomotives, most of which <laughs> hadn't been out on the rail lines in, in decades. Mm-hmm. We had two historic structures that had to be moved. It was a massive project. And as it turns out, it it took about two years to move everything from Fair Park to Frisco. The actual move of the rolling stock, the cars and locomotives, took 18 months. Uh, The railroads were amazingly gracious in providing their services at no cost and working with us on it. They saw the importance of preserving that history. There was a little bit of 
angst, I guess, with Dallas about leaving that city. I'm a Dallas boy. I'm a native. Mm -hmm. I get it. But it really did allow us to go and really flourish as a museum. And we serve all of North Texas. You know, we we still serve Dallas. So can you talk a little bit about kind of because you mentioned the education component. So just a little bit more for our listeners who are not familiar with Museum of the American Railroad and kind of how you all operate on a day to day basis and, and just specifically, you know, how you serve our community. Well, we are a year round operation. We're open five days a week, Wednesday through Sunday. We have a four-person full-time staff. One of is our educator, director of education. She works very closely with the local school districts, and in particular, Frisco. And we give educational programs and guided tours to almost all the grades, but we concentrate on third grade and seventh grade. And there are some great opportunities for programming. We talk about the railroad's role in the expansion of the U.S. We talk about Texas history subjects in the railroad. We get into civil rights legislation because of the story of the Pullman Porters. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a great opportunity to talk about how the railroad affected all all of our culture in this country. I know late last year, you all received what I believe was your biggest gift that you had received, a single gift from Amanda and Brent Ryan, which was a $300,000 gift. Can you talk a little bit about what that allowed you to do? Sure. Yeah, that was the largest gift from a, from a private you know, donor in the history of the museum. We were very excited to get it. Brent Ryan likes trains a lot. His family he has family roots with the Texas and Pacific Railroad out in Big Spring, Texas. So it really was a perfect fit. And his gift enabled us to completely reconstruct and present this model train layout that was recently donated to us uh, at the Frisco Discovery Center, which is right next door to our museum site. And we opened Traintopia last week. His gift allowed us to present this fantastic collection of trains that had been uh, donated by the Sanders family in Dallas. So people can come and see this huge operating train layout firsthand with theatrical lighting and everything. It, it's amazing. I know I've been to Brent Ryan's house for a an event, and he has a really nice collection of trains and model trains too so I, I know that he is an enthusiast and and has been very supportive of of the museum yes he's been very supportive he's been a delight to work with and his enthusiasm is infectious and and i guess in some ways we have a big train set now that he can come and play with <laughs> anytime he wants well you, you mentioned traintopia uh, which opened july 18th can you talk more about traintopia and, and why that's been such a, a big push for the museum well anything in miniature always seems to be of interest to folks and this is an amazing exhibit. It, it spans the American Southwest. It has majestic Rocky Mountains of Colorado. It has Arizona, New Mexico. It's got everything from the little curio shops and tourist courts of New Mexico. It goes around uh, to West Texas in the oil fields. And visitors will just follow this whole layout, 2,500 square feet, all the way around to a bustling main street of downtown Dallas in the 1960s with all the theater marquees. And it, and it sort of ends at Union Station where all the trains originate and terminate. And this whole layout is woven together by model trains that operate through all of this wonderful scenery. So does the Sanders set, is it part of Traintopia or? Okay. So yes. It, okay. It's part of that presentation. Yeah. Traintopia is essentially the Sanders train oh, cool. layout that was in their home for many years. And we're going to expand it later this year. Once we get funding, we're actually going to end up with 3,000 square feet of trains. We have another family in Dallas that has donated another model train system that is just spectacular. I have to ask, do you have trains at home? I do. My excuse is that I have a 13-year-old, and uh, but I, honestly, I'm in there playing with him, with him sometimes. And so it's, yeah, we there's trains pretty much 24-7 in our house. Bob, if, if our listeners want to find you and find out more about trains and, and find out all about trains, where can we find you? 
Well, we are definitely all things trains. Uh, they can find us in Frisco. We are at 8004 North Dallas Parkway, and that's where they can get tickets to take walking tours of our collection of cars and locomotives, over 65 pieces of rolling stock. They can also come and visit Trains, Traintopia at that location, and they can also buy tickets online for Traintopia, which is a magnificent model train layout indoors. That's outstanding. Well, we look forward to uh, to getting up there and, and seeing some trains, and uh, hopefully our listeners will, will be up there soon. So thank you, Bob, again for coming by. This is Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Brian Trimble. Man, that was fun. Bob Laprell, thank you for coming on today. Is really exciting, and you know your passion really shines through. Uh, your passion for trains and historic preservation as well. So great to have someone here with that much knowledge of Dallas, that much knowledge of transportation. It's just, of course, I don't know if we mentioned in our opening segment they are a client of ours. Uh, so it's really good to have clients who make that type of impact. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd like to take the kiddo up there. You know, we were we were down at Children's Hospital a week or so ago and you know they have trains down in the basement down there and man her eyes lit up just watching those things so it's on the list to make a trip up to see Traintopia and see their exhibits and I like that I like the idea of, of taking the Austin trip and you know going down through Fort Worth and the Hill Country getting on the dining car that like is something that I really will put on my six month goals we'll get list get you a top hat I don't know a bow tie you can dress up I like that. <laughs> I really do. Like I, I, I will make a note of that as well. And I think that will be really good to socialize yeah. that situation. Um, hey, so football season's coming up and looks like you are going to be making a really exciting SMU sports trip. Yes. You can't get out of an episode of Deconstructing Dallas without an SMU note. Excited Boulevard season's coming up. But week three, the Mighty Mustangs head to Ann Arbor, head to the big house to take on the Michigan Wolverines and Miss. Mrs. Trimble and I just booked the flights today, so I'm really excited. I mean, when else am I going to go to the big house, Sean? It's a bucket list trip. It's a fun, excuse me, it's a sports bucket list trip, and I'm super excited. Upset alert? Absolutely. Okay, Coach Dykes, get them pumped up, get ready to, you know, take it to Jim Harbaugh and his squad. Just take on the world. Okay, I'm down. Count me in as like the eyebrow raised and, you know, with twirling my whiskers thinking, hey, this you might be the one. First. This might be the one. First. I mean, I, I, it's the it's the classic don't take a side. I think this just might happen. This is very <laughs> possible. I'm not sure. So, you know, either way. But no, that's, that'll, that'll be fun, man. I'm looking forward. I know 
have another friend who is a Michigan Wolverines fan who lives here. Oh, interesting. And he took that trip like two years ago and was totally blown away. It was his first time going to the big house, even though he's been a fan for like uh-huh. almost all his life. So uh, looking forward to hearing your stories. Uh, yeah, it should be an exciting trip. So thank you again, Mrs. Trimble. She's a, she, speaking of transportation and travel, she's an airline family. Uh, her, her folks are both from the airline industry. So she is way more skilled at planning a trip <laughs> than I am. Man, yeah, that, so that is very fortunate. It's really nice are very thing fortunate to have around yeah, for yeah. that. Thanks, honey. So, thank you again, Bob Laprell, and uh, thank you to the Museum of the American Railroad. We're really excited uh, to have you all on board. And thank you, Ryan Trimble, for sharing your time with me once again. That's what friends are for. It's an honor, sir. All right, this is Deconstructing Dallas, and it is an Allen Media production. It is produced by Sean Williams and edited and mixed by C3 Films. Thank you, Jennifer Pasco. Thank you to Mary Woodleaf. We want all of our iPhone listeners to please make sure and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can like and subscribe on Stitcher and SoundCloud and any other podcast platform you find us on. So, until we meet again, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble, Deconstructing Dallas. Adios.